Let's begin. If you haven't done so, uh, you can pull out your sermon outline if you're using a paper copy when you came in today. Or the better way, I think, is the Three Crosses app because it has all the information about the church. You can uh, open the message times. The, the notes are there. If you don't get a blank in the electronic version, it will autofill when you email it to yourself. So that's a great thing, too, for those of you that are kind of anal about, you know, I didn't get a blank done in my outline, and some of you chase me down afterwards, and uh, it's like life and death experience for you. Uh, so that's okay. Um, anyway, we're in Galatians chapter 5 again today. This is where we start. It's kind of camping out in this beautiful little passage where it talks about walking in the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit and not carrying out the deeds of the flesh. And all of us have this struggle. We're all in this life as believers in Christ. We have the beautiful privilege and honor to have the, the, the life of the Spirit in us. Supernatural life. Supernatural life. And as we go throughout our week, because we know Christ, when we walk into a conversation, Jesus is there. When we walk into work, Jesus is there. When we walk into our neighborhood, Jesus is there. When we walk into our home, Jesus is there. Because the Spirit of God is alive in our lives. Amen? Amen. And hopefully there's some people that just notice some difference in us this week. Like, why are you different than the other guy down the street? Or the person working over in the cubicle? Or the person that I'm with all the time? What makes you so different? And hopefully what people are seeing in us is the supernatural work of the Spirit of God. That gives us these nine amazing virtues. Love, say it with me, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, gen uh, uh, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, I kind of messed up on them too. But nine amazing virtues that the Spirit of God gives to us when we have His Spirit living in our lives. Now, those are gifts that the Spirit gives to us, but we're also to pursue those things, and we'll see that a little bit more again today. So, we're today we come to the fourth installment of this. We've looked at love, joy, peace. Today is patience, forbearance. Now, let's just to get us started here, first point on your outline. How many of you needed patience this week? Anybody needed patience this week? Okay, about half of you raised your hands. The other you liars uh, did not raise your hand. <laughs> We all needed patience. You think it's a trick question. That's why people don't raise their hands. I don't know. Anyway, first point in your outline. Everyone needs patience. Write it down. Everyone needs patience. Now, I'm not saying that just because I think that's true. I'm saying that because the Bible tells us that's true. And the Bible gives us a beautiful picture of patience in two broad categories. And I think it's important that we understand these categories, especially for where we're going in the fruit of the Spirit, this picture of being rooted in Christ. All right, let's talk about this first aspect of patience, if you're taking notes. Patience is having the ability to put up with challenging circumstances, situations, stuff that happens in our lives. Every one of us have things that happen in our lives that we need patience for. And we learn about this kind of patience from the New Testament Greek word, hupomone. Say that word with me. Hupomone. It's a compound word. Hupo means to be under, and mone means to remain. So the idea of hupomone is staying under when the weight comes in life, when the problems develop in life. It's hanging in there. It's staying firm. It's, it's not, you know, checking out. And of course, a couple of 
uh, very obvious places in Scripture that talk about this word, hupomone. James 1, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's circumstances. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces hupomone. It's a word that we translate, New Testament writers translate, uh, or translators translate uh, perseverance, steadfastness, endurance. It's the idea of hanging in there when the weight comes on. Romans 5, same way. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces hupomone, perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So some, someone says, well, that guy's got the patience of Job. Well, when, when you say that, you're probably talking about a person that is handling circumstances with a sense of, of steadfastness and endurance. Now, think about the circumstances that we have to put up with every day. We've all got circumstances that we have to put up with. I don't know what your little pet peeve is. For me, a lot of times my patience is stretched in circumstances when it comes to driving, okay? Anybody got that similar situation? Okay, nobody. All right, it's just me. It's just me. But hupomone is needed in circumstances as trivial as waiting for the signal light to turn green, waiting for the table to open at a crowded restaurant, waiting, for li- waiting in lines in places like grocery stores or banks or the post office or the DMV, places like that where our patience is stretched. Uh, but there's also more serious things like uh, a- an illness to be over or an escrow to close or a season of loneliness or homelessness or purposelessness, waiting for an injury to heal, waiting for your life to be healed, waiting for the chemo to be over, waiting for a new job to begin, waiting for a terrible job to end. <laughs> Waiting for these things are all about hupomone. It's waiting. Uh, one of the funny stories that happened in our family when our kids were little, our second child, Carrie, she uh, had the uh, mishap of swallowing my wife's wedding ring when she was just a little over a year old. I know, crazy. And of course, we panicked immediately. It's like, oh my goodness. You know, and so we're calling the emergency room and all this. And they're, they're asking questions like, well, is she breathing? Yes, she's breathing. Can she swallow? Yes, she swallows. Is she, can she talk? Yes, she can talk. And so there's a silence on the phone. And the person says, well, I guess you just have to wait. <laughs> like they thought my big concern was I want the ring back. No, I was concerned about her health. But the point was we had to wait. And so we'd, it was a funny story, we'd come to church, you know, and br- bring her in the nursery and say, look, if, if she has a little accident, would you mind keeping the diaper? We would like to look through that later. <laughs> You know, this is, like, it's like, Pastor Larry's really weird. That's a weird habit, but whatever. Anyway, so, and the ring did come back. Praise God. The ring came back. First service, I didn't even tell that. I didn't tell that part of the story. And they, anyway, the ring came back. Sometimes I have people ask me, they say, hey, pray, pray that God will teach me patience. And when they, whenever somebody says that to me, I say, no, you don't want to pray. <laughs> don't pray that way. They say, what do you mean? I say, you can pray for God to give you patience, but when you pray to, for God to, to teach you patience, you know what he's going to do? <laughs> he's going to send stuff into your life where you've got to wait for stuff. And, and that's the beauty of our Lord. He knows exactly what we need. And it's good that we should pray. We should pray for God to teach us patience because we need it. But I think it's better to pray that God gives us patience. Anyway, okay. So that's the first little movement here. This idea of praying for uh, patience. Patience is the ability to to deal with the stuff 
that happen, circumstances in our lives, from the trivial to the big stuff. And that's really important, and that's biblical. But when we come to the book of Galatians, where Paul talks about this fruit of the Spirit, and he talks about love and joy and peace and patience, you know, he doesn't use the word hupomone there. He uses a word used, it's called macrothumia. This is the New Testament word for the word in Galatians 5. Now, the reason I've kind of waited to get to that, because I want you to see the difference. It's not so much that we kind of put up with the stuff in our lives, but here's, here's what macrothumia is about. Patience is having the ability to put up with people in our lives. Oh, yeah. People. And it's all wrapped up in this little word macrothumia. Macrothumia is not used about stuff, circumstances. It's, it's only used, macrothumia is used when it comes to the issue of people. And this is also a compound word, macro meaning long or uh, enduring, and thumos meaning wrath or temper. It's a long fuse. It's a long temperedness. It's a slow to anger in the person who's the gift of God's spirit giving them uh, patience. Now, we talked about think of the circumstances we have to put up with. Let's think about the people we have to put up with. Uh, People who hurt us. People who sin against us, people who disappoint us, people who drain us, people who use us, people who are different than us, people who compete against us, people who confuse us, people who sometimes annoy us. Did I leave out anybody? Most of the times, the categories would be those areas, and maybe there's a few more. Who in your life right now is giving you trials? And I just wonder... If there's anyone here that could agree that we've got difficult people, does anybody just with an upraised hand, we've got difficult people that we have to put up with in our lives? Anybody? Now, now stop pointing at people. Okay, some of you. <laughs> I saw that in the first service. Someone went like that. Okay. <laughs> Think of the people that we have to put up with. They're all around us. But here's the, here's the big thing. <laughs> Think of the people that have to put up with us. You see, it's really easy for us to think about the people that we have to put up with because we kind of feel like we've got it together. But think of the people that have to put up with us. To be honest, we have also treated people in these ways too, requiring someone somewhere to need macrothumia with us. Now let's dig in a little bit more what this word means, macrothumia. It means to have patience without reaction. That's really the key to this whole macrothumia thing. It's, it's kind of riding through the issue with the person without reacting to the person. For example, for the love of his daughter, a father's macrothumia allows him to overlook yet another tirade of insults born more from her adolescent view of life than her disdain for him as a father. And so macrothumia comes. And I want to thank God right now, right publicly, for my parents having the Spirit of God living in their lives and exhibiting macrothumia with me. In the stages of my life where I needed patience, they gave it to me. And that was a beautiful gift. And if you're a parent of an adolescence, you know that there are sometimes that are age-appropriate shenanigans or rebellion that happens that you withhold a reaction from because you understand where they are in their life. 
Now, to be honest, as a parent, even with the Spirit of God living in my life, I didn't always demonstrate macrothumia with my kids. And there were times where I would react, blow up, frustrated, angry. Has that ever happened with you? (laughs) And I had the Spirit of God living in me, so I could have chosen the route of the Spirit and not reacted the way I did. And those are very convicting things to think about and even confess before you, but I have a feeling that I'm not alone. Please remind me that I'm not alone. Okay, thank you. Now, the opposite of macrothumia is showing wrath or revenge, retaliation. It's the quick-temperedness of life, the blow-up at the drop of a hat, explosive anger, nostrils flared, heavy breathing, loud voice. That's the opposite of macrothumia. That's the opposite of what the Spirit of God wants to gift to us here in Galatians chapter 5. Ever see a kid have a temper tantrum? I was in the store the other day and I saw a kid just melt down because they, weren't, they didn't get the candy that they wanted from their mom. And the mom was amazing. She had to have been a believer or she just had a very special dose of, you know, a spirit-led macrothumia because she was just so tactical and beautiful. You know, she goes, no, Johnny, or whatever his name was, Johnny, we're not going to have the candy bar now because I promised you we would have a snack when we got home or we were having lunch when we got home. You've already had your snack and so let's get up, let's go. No, I want my candy. And he's just going crazy. And we've all seen those kinds of public meltdowns. And this woman was just beautiful. What a mom. I just, I praise God for women that have that kind of control. It's an amazing thing to observe. And, and how beautiful that is. I just in a little quiet prayer for her thinking, wow, this is not an easy job to be a parent, especially when you're by yourself and you've got a couple little toddlers with you. But you know, your toddlers grow into teenagers and teenagers can push your buttons in different ways. And then, Young adults can push your buttons in different ways. And if you've got adult children in your family or in your life and they're making decisions and stuff going on in your life, that can really stretch you as a parent. But here's the amazing thing. We are called in Scripture to be patient toward others. You know why? Because, and here's the second point in your outline, because God has shown us patience. God is patient toward us. And if you want to know what kind of patience he's had toward us, we're going to see exactly what that is right here. Let me give you a couple things. In Old Testament times, God's patience is revealed through through his dealings among his people. And you know how his dealings are, are captured among his people in the Old Testament? In a little phrase called, God is slow to anger. Every place where God reveals his character to his people, and we come, we see this first in uh, Exodus 34, where God is revealing who he is to Moses, in the second giving of, his com- of the commandments, God says of himself, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's God. And we see that in Numbers, Nehemiah, the Psalms, Joel, Jonah, Nahum, the prophets. We see this beautiful portrait of God being slow to anger. And aren't you glad It takes God a long time for him to finally judge. That's because God's character is a, he's macrothumia. In fact, this attribute of God is the New Testament equivalent of macrothumia. He can write out circumstances, oh, you bet. But it's his patience toward people that is truly amazing. Think of the kinds of people God has shown patience toward. Rebels, doubters, Ungodly, irreligious, wicked, presumptuous, entitled, proud, obstinate, careless, uncaring, unloving, selfish, cheaters, hypocrite, the skeptic, the lethargic, 
the irresponsible, the immoral, the racist, the bigot, the murderer, the adulterer, the liar. There's no kind of person or people group or nation that has not been a recipient of one time or another of God's amazing patience. And all of us right here today are recipients of that patience too. And you ever wonder why sometimes God hasn't struck someone down with lightning? You know, you're, you think the, that way, don't you? You know, like, God, come on. When are you going to like just, you know? And then you realize, wait a minute. Why am I not asking? When is, when is God going to strike me down because of my attitude toward people that we think need to be struck down by God's lightning? You know, whatever. I'm being a little goofy here, but I'm just saying as soon as we think about other people that need the wrath of God, we should be thinking about us because there's no one more deserving of his wrath than us. That's why the Apostle Paul could say there's no greater sinner than me. Think about, let's think about Old Testament history, the patience of God illustrated in the ark of salvation history. You want to take notes on that? When I say the ark of salvation history, I mean the whole throw from the beginning all the way to now. Think about this. Uh, I just walk through Old Testament history with me. Creation and fall, patience. The flood, patience. The patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, patience. The deliverance of God's people from Egypt, patience. The wilderness wanderings, patience. The period of the judges, patience. The kings of Israel, patience. The divided kingdom, patience. The warnings of the prophets, patience. The exile, and the return from exile, patience. God just kind of rides it out. And then the intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, almost 500 years of silence. God is so patient. And then we come to the New Testament. In the New Testament times, God's patience is seen, revealed through the life and ministry of his son, Jesus Christ. Think about Jesus with me just for a moment. His commencement of ministry at 30 years of age, he waits. His, the character of his team, he's got 12 guys, a tax collector, Jewish zealot, and even a traitor. You think that team didn't need some patience? <laughs> How about criticism of religious leaders? The testing, the accusing, the rejecting toward Christ. How about the challenges of the crowds who followed him? The miracle seekers, the pressing in for the food, the fickle in the end. And finally, the calling of the cross, the patience of Christ all the way from his commencement to ministry, character of his team, criticism of religious leaders, challenges of the crowds, and the calling of the cross, all is a big giant picture of Jesus modeling macrothumia. I mean, there's no greater example of patience than Jesus himself. Now, what about today? Old Testament history, New Testament history, what about today? Today, God's patience is demonstrated in the same way as before, but watch this. But keeping the door of salvation open for anyone to enter. You see, it's because of God's patience, I love this, I hope you'll write it down, that anyone, anytime, anywhere can come to faith in Christ. My friend Don, there's a picture of him here, uh, Got to know Don playing basketball here at the church. I, I really liked him from the start because, first of all, he was older than me. He was the oldest guy on the court. He was three years older than me. He always used to tease me about that. Um, so we got to know each other, and uh, great ball player, great uh, fit guy, but 
two years ago he comes to me. I've known him now at that point for a couple of years, but just over basketball. Occasionally he would come to things that I invited him to at church, and I invited him to Christmas and Easter in different places. He'd bring his wife, they'd come. Always enjoyed it. Always had nice things to say, but just sort of kept a very private guy. Um, and then about two years ago, uh, Don contracts cancer, and so he tells me one day at basketball, hey, I want you to know I've got this really weird tumor thing. Uh, they can't operate. Um, they can maybe shrink the tumor, and maybe they can operate then. Uh, but he just, first time ever, he says, I just would ask for your prayers. I said, man, I'd love to. I said, man, I'd love to talk to you more about that too. And it was a little while after that that Don said, you know, I, I think it would be good if we sat down and talked. So he made an appointment and we got together and we had a beautiful time. I shared with him, uh, let me back up. Uh, Don had a background of, of religion. Uh, he was raised in a religious system that really focused on the rules uh, as a little kid, he was very involved in some of the religious activities of the church that he was a part of. Uh, not this church, um, but it was really a turnoff to him. He was kind of scolded a lot as a kid, reprimanded, a lot of the, you know, finger shaking kind of thing. That was his experience. And so it turned him off to church, it turned him off to Christ. It was, he was kind of turned off, and it wasn't until he started playing basketball up here with some guys that knew the Lord, and he could kind of see what's going on, and there's something different in their lives, our lives, and so he was curious, and he told me his story, and I just had the privilege of sharing with him the simple message of the gospel. I gave him a little booklet, walked through the booklet, Steps to Peace with God, how we as lost sinners can have a relationship with the living God. Uh, at the end of that little booklet, there's a prayer. I said, Don, this is a prayer that I prayed when I was a young boy. Uh, in the prayer, we read it out loud in my office. I said, Don, you can pray that prayer anytime. Um, when you're ready to, to follow this one who's given his life for you. And he thanked me, and we had a beautiful time. And he said, I just feel like I, I, I need something in my life. And I said, well, Don, I believe it's Jesus. And... I don't know, it was a week or so later, he came up to me and he said, hey, I just want you to know that little prayer we talked about, I prayed that prayer. And I've asked Christ to be in my life. And, and it was just a beautiful time. We had Bible study together for a season. He and his wife would come to our church. Um, and then he got more ill and more ill. And just this last month, September 27th, Don went home to be with the Lord. And his service was Friday. And in that service, I was sharing Don's story, just like I shared it with you. And I just felt compelled to share it again. Because in that service on Friday, I shared with people that, you know, they could have a peace with God that Don had too. And I told them about that little prayer that Don prayed in the little booklet that I gave him. And I said to the people there on Friday, I said, if there's anybody here that wants that booklet and wants Jesus, they can have it too. And after the service, there were two individuals People that, I don't know if they even knew each other, but they came to me at different times in the reception and pulled me aside and said, you know the booklet you talked about, could I please have that booklet? And I went and got the booklet and I put it in their hand and talked about how Jesus could change their life and prayed with one of them right there in the reception. And I'm just thinking, wow, my goodness, at any time, anywhere, any place, someone can come to a place of simply acknowledging that Jesus is the way, is the truth, is the life, that he died for sins and rose again from the grave. And by faith in Jesus, your whole life can change. And today, I know my brother Don is home with the Lord. His family is grieving. It's a tough time for them. Pray for them. But I know where he is. Because he put his faith in Jesus. 
And you know what struck me about Don's life? He was in his 60s when that happened. God is so patient. He's patient with you. I remember Ruth, her service is next week. Ruth sits right down here. She was 84 when she gave her life to Jesus. And she passed away a month and a half ago at 99.8 years of life. (laughs) And I can't wait for her service this week to tell people that God is patient and he's waiting. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. Doors open. That's why Paul could say, as the worst of sinners, Christ might display his unlimited patience. This is 1 Timothy 1.16. As an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Peter writes, instead he is patient with you, not willing, willing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. Jesus' macrothumia for us today. All right. Let's pan back for just a minute. What does the Bible teach us about patience? We can be patient with the stuff. We can be patient with the people in our lives because God's spirit lives within us. And you know the greater thing about that is that God has been patient toward us. And now the whole purpose of that is so that we can be patient toward others. And that's the point of Galatians 5. The work of the spirit is to make us patient with others. And how does that happen? Two ways. Number one, by staying rooted Filled with the Spirit. That's, that's God's part. When you're rooted in Christ, He does the part of bringing us patience. He gives us a supernatural patience. And I think about how God has been so patient with me all my life as a believer. He's just waited on me, waited on me, waited on me. He is so beautiful in His patience toward me. But He's done that so that I can be patient toward others. Stay rooted and secondly by cooperating with God's Spirit. That's our part. That's our part. That's why Paul writes it in the book of Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 14. He says, We urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Paul said, Put on the clothing of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other, just as Christ has bore with us. Colossians 3, 12. So, patience. When we demonstrate hupomone, that brings and births hope in our lives. But we demonstrate macrothumia, that births love in our lives. And that's why Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, love is, number one attribute of love, what? Is patient. It's kind. It's not jealous. It's not envious. It does not boast. It is not proud. So, there's someone here today, right now, that needs a supernatural gifting of patience. And there's some of us who know Christ, and we need to pursue patience among the relationships that we're in that we feel like we're getting driven crazy in to remember the patience that God has shown us. And that's the gift of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit that is available to all of us today. Amen. Let's go to the Lord. Lord, thank you for the word of God, your word, Lord. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you, Lord, for the person or people that you brought to this service today that you've already whispered into their heart, hey, 
I'm speaking to you. I've been waiting for you. And if there's anyone, Lord, today that you brought here that knows that you've been speaking to them, may they not wait one more minute, but may they come and trust in you and follow you with their lives. And if that's you, wherever you are in this auditorium or listening right now, wherever you are, you can simply acknowledge that Jesus is enough, that he died for you, that he rose again, and you can ask him to forgive your sins and come into your life. And all by faith, he will. And if you know this Jesus this morning and he lives in your life, then pursue a life that demonstrates patience so that people will see Jesus in us today.